What's up? It's episode 45, Hard to Believe, Pain Points of Wealth. As I'm recording this right now, inflation numbers are through the roof. We were warning about it. Everyone's saying inflation has been transitory, but apparently not. Inflation numbers came in way higher than expected. We're in the midst of earnings season. Companies are crushing their earnings right now. So that coupled with inflation, what does it mean for you? What does it mean for your portfolio? What's our view of the economy? We're going to break it down for you today. And on the tipping point, we're going to talk about your financial independence roadmap. How do you map out financial independence? We're going to give you our viewpoint for doing this for a collective 75 years. How to get yourself in a position to be financially free. It's going to be a great show. Let's hop to it. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey guys, it looks like we have new highs on the S&P 500 this week, as we predicted. But we've been predicting that the market would go higher over your entire lifetime. So I guess we really didn't need a crystal ball for that. But the big news this week was that transitory inflation is getting real. How about 5.4% on the CPI this week, boys? Yeah, unbelievable. And I think that's like the biggest number since something like 2008, just to put in perspective. So we haven't seen inflation like this in over a decade. And that's really one of the things that we've talked about a lot is we're going into a different environment, right? We had low inflation almost a deflationary environment for the last decade. And right now we're getting the complete opposite. We're getting an inflationary environment, which means you need different tools to survive. Hey, Chris, you know what I love about the CPI? It doesn't include those things like food and energy, you know, something that we don't use too much of as going through the roof in price. Can you imagine if food and energy was included in the CPI, what that number would look like today? Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous, Dad. I mean, it's like the two things that we most consume most often. As a matter of fact, this week, I'm out in Glacier National Park, and we went to dinner last night, and it took us almost two hours to get our meal. And we asked the waitress what was going on. She said, we're just really short-staffed. She's like, it's been a problem all summer. Hey, Bob, is it me or is Chris always on vacation? How does that work? You know, Chris is our version of Where's Waldo? Every week when we get together for the podcast, we get together for our corporate meetings, you know, I have to go, where's Chris? You know, I get the map out. I got pins in the map on my wall. My goodness, there's hardly any room for any more pins. He's been everywhere. I think that the point here I'm trying to make is that I always show up for our podcast. And I always show up on time, unlike some other people. <laughs> Someone needs a gold star here, Bob. Look, I've seen the same thing here in New York. I was out for clothes. I thought I'd sneak out of the office early around three o'clock. I figured Chris is on vacation. I can work a little less on a Monday. And even at like four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, retail is usually kind of dead at that point. There was still line for everything. Didn't matter where you went to go shopping, they had lines literally out the door. And this is not even a prime shopping time. People are still supposed to be working. So it just seems like demand is extremely high. And same thing, just like completely underserviced with the people working in the store. It's kind of crazy. No, it's really true. And the Fed's sticking to the old, it's transitory. They pointed out on the CPI number that the reason for the big jump was because used cars went up more than probably any time in history. I don't know, guys. It sounds like to me, it's more than just used cars and trucks that are going up in price right now. Well, Dad, speaking of cars, actually, have you guys tried to get a rent-a-car lately? It's almost impossible. I think that's just because the rent-a-car companies didn't expect the big turnaround so quickly. So they didn't go out and buy new cars to make up for the demand that they're experiencing right now. It's crazy. 
You know, Chris, I have a neighbor of mine from Dallas, Texas, and he told me in Texas last month, it was $500 a day. And don't even think about taking a car out of the state. They didn't want any car to leave the state because there's such a shortage. Incredible. I think Hertz went bankrupt earlier this year. Go figure. Well, I think it comes down to this. Look, we're in earnings season. It's no secret. Earnings are going to be absolutely phenomenal, right? I put in my notes this week, the song remains the same because Bob likes to hear Led Zeppelin quotes wherever he can. And it is the song remains the same. Earnings are just going to blow the doors off. We expect that to happen. And of course, the markets are forward looking. So it's not really a surprise. But the surprises are when you hear these earnings calls over the course of the next couple of weeks, is how much of their labor costs going up for these companies? How much of their raw material costs go up? And how much of those costs are they going to pass on to you and me, the consumer? I'm going to guess a lot of it is going to get passed on to us. And that is simply inflationary. Well, just keep in mind, guys, that earnings are ancient history, right? It's something that's already in the book, something you can't do anything about. So don't be surprised when you see some of these companies, like JP Morgan reported blowout revenue, and so did Goldman Sachs, but their stocks went down. Pepsi came in with great earnings, and their stock went straight up. It has all to do with what management's saying about what they see in the near term. So a lot of it has to do with what they're saying, not what's already happened. So just be aware. Yeah. And the one thing they're not saying is inflation's here to stay, even though we are on this podcast. You know, I was reading an article on Barron's this past weekend, and Malibu Boats, it's one of the biggest manufacturers of boats in the US. They're saying that 80% of the boats they're going to build in the next 12 months are already bought, and they don't see their inventories getting back to normal to 2024. Now, if that's transitory, that's three years of being transitory for their inventories to get back to normal in three years. That's a long while away. It really is. And I think it just shows how much our economy has evolved. Because when you look at a boat, it's not like just a piece of fiberglass and an engine. It's so high tech. All these new cars and new boats, they really have a lot of semiconductors in there now because it's like having a computer on water or a computer on wheels. And that's a big reason why these companies you know, are having these problems because it's expensive to build these things. It's very expensive, especially to have these cars and boats sitting on the lot unsold. Well, you know, Dad, it's not just boats. You know, it's also cars. It's everything right now. And, you know, I was talking to one of my clients the other day, and she was saying that she's getting really concerned, especially with the fact that wages are going up and things becoming more expensive. She made the comment to me that, well, what happens when wages go back down to normal? And my question to her was, I said, well, you know, in all the years that you've been working, when did you actually take a pay cut? And that lasted for a long period of time. You made more money throughout your entire career. And she said, yes. I said, well, guess what? The same thing is going to happen with wages. Wages are not going to go down. Employers are not going to pay their employees less. So wage inflation is here to stay. Well, Chris, I can give you a good example. When I started working with your brother, my wages went down. His went up. And you're on vacation all the time. You know, I'm starting to catch on here, guys. Well, Dad, you know, I would say, you know, who are the smarter of the three of us? You know, Ryan keeps making more money and I keep going on vacation. What's your problem? Well, you know, I have to agree with you, buddy. There is a huge labor shortage. I mean, you're seeing it out there in Montana. I see it here in New Jersey. Ryan's seeing it up in New York. Restaurants can't hire enough people. The hospitality industry can't find people to work. Uh, A friend of mine was stranded at the airport because I couldn't find a pilot to fly the plane. Meanwhile, there's 9.3 million jobs that are open right now, unfulfilled. And 50% of all small businesses have at least one position. They can't find someone to fill the position. You know, the other concern I hear right now is, well, the market has got to crash here somewhere. But, you know, having this inflationary pressure is not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's because the economy is actually heating up. And if the economy is heating up, that means earnings are going to continue to do really well. 
I'd argue here, we're probably not going to see a market crash. Most likely, if anything, markets could go the other way. Well, first of all, right, valuations are high. We're above the historical average. But when you look at the P.E. ratio relative to the alternative, for example, money market funds yield zero, actually one basis point, one basis point. I mean, think about that. That's zero pretty much. So you have really no alternative. So on a relative basis, on a comparative basis to what else is available, where to put your money, stocks are very cheap. To put that in perspective right now, we're getting less of 1% of our money markets. If you look at like a bank like Citibank, for example, they have a 3% dividend. So that's 300% better than what you get in your money market. To me, that sounds like a no-brainer, guys. Well, you just want to have your money being productive here, right? And there's no better place for your assets to be productive than the stock market right now. Because to your point, Chris, banks are paying a lot of dividends. Energy stocks are paying a lot of dividends. Value stocks are paying a lot of dividends. International stocks are paying a lot of dividends. And I think that's one of the biggest mistake investors are making right now. They're not taking advantage of the fact there's a lot of cash flow to be had here if you own a lot of these stock market assets that a lot of people are afraid to own. So it sounds like we can call this the summer of love. Not like the hippies did back in 1967, but for capitalists, for people who are fully invested, oh my God, you got to love these markets. We're at a new highs. We're going higher. You heard it first. I heard Ryan. I heard Chris. He's telling us we're in a big boom and bull market. And the biggest risk to your portfolio right now is a melt up in stock prices. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 45, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, love our content, we just doubled our subscribership. Please click on that like button, give us a five-star rating, subscribe to our channel. And if this is on YouTube right now, not only can you subscribe to the channel, you can click that notification key so you can be updated every week as our new podcast comes out. Gentlemen, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, you know, with our collective 75 years of experience dealing with over 2,000 families at our firm, Pain Capital Management, you know, we found that really becoming financially independent isn't really a destination, but it's an actual journey or the journey, not the destination. So then we can discuss how to prepare more effectively and minimize the hazards along the way to becoming financially independent. So, you know, guys, financial planning is really what it's about, investing with the end in mind. And you would think, you know, this is only for new investors or, you know, somebody's got a little bit of money, but it applies to everybody. Hey, do you guys know anybody wealthier than a CEO? Maybe one or two people, but CEOs make a lot of money. They make a lot of money. And, you know, I came up with this whole strategy back in the 70s because I was sitting in the office of the head of asset management at Merrill Lynch and the CEO walks in and says, hey, guys, I just got a whole bunch of money paid to me as a bonus. How do I invest it? And, you know, the head of asset management said, well, what are your goals? He said, I want to make money. Now, come on, guys, is making money a goal? No, that's a hard no, because at the end of the day, what does that mean, right? What does it mean I want to make a lot of money? There's nothing tangible about that. And what we found is, is there's no relevance. So when you invest your money without any sort of purpose to it, it's really hard to stick to a strategy. Yeah. So you got to say to yourself the same thing that we said to the CEO. Why do you need to make money? Why do you need for your money to grow? And he said, I don't know. Why do I need my money to grow? He said, well, how about do you want to work in this job for the rest of your life? He said, no, I want to retire. There's a goal. So you've got to articulate these goals because otherwise making money means makes no sense because making money is not a goal. That's right. Having that very specific, tangible goal, you know, something that's quantifiable. Now that's a financial goal. Being financially independent, having enough money so that you don't have to work again is definitely a goal to shoot for. And as a matter of fact, it's a lot like having like a financial GPS or like a train on the tracks. Having that goal helps you navigate through those tough times like last March or even in 2008. You know, having those clear, tangible goals keeps your eye on the prize. It keeps you focused. So you don't make those mistakes like getting out of the market when you shouldn't. Well, I think the other part of it is it's so much harder to invest when you don't have goals. 
because then the pressure is just enormous because it's like you have this money in cash. And I just spoke to a prospective client of our firm. He had just sold his company. He's got like five to $10 million just sitting there. And he's so afraid of making a bad decision. And he wants all the return in the world. And you know what we try to say to him is like, hey, look, it's irrelevant. Let's try to figure out what this money is for. And for him, it's he wants to be financially independent with his family. He wants to be retired in another 10 years and live off of his portfolio. And you know, meanwhile, he's worried the market's going to crash. He's worried about what's going to happen with interest rates. And because he doesn't have that context or hasn't laid those goals down, it's really hard to put a strategy in place and you end up doing nothing a lot of the time. And that's the whole point. The great goals of life are you know, having a lifetime of income that you can't outlive, right? Educating your children, your grandchildren, endowing a chair at your university. I'm working with a client right now. He's going to endow a chair you know, where he taught in high school. It's a great goal to have. But the beauty of goals is they have a timeline. It keeps you from procrastinating. It's like, okay, if you don't start putting money away for education, guess what? Your grandchild's not going to go to school because they're not going to be able to have any money to pay the tuition. So it's the beauty of planning is it prevents procrastination and keeps you from not making money. Yeah. It also prevents too being focused on the things that you can't control. There's an old saying, accept the things that you can't control, focus on the things that you can. So you can focus on how much risk you're taking. You can focus on how much you're paying in taxes. So really, it's all about being able to do the things that you control and not being worried about, is there going to be volatility in the market because those things are inevitable? Yeah. And risk is really the key here. My favorite story is, I think it was back in like the 90s. I always talk about this story. Shaquille O'Neal got interviewed after when he was in his prime of his NBA career. And the interviewer asked him like, hey, you know, you're making all this money now. You know, where are you investing your money right now? Are you investing in stocks? Are you investing in real estate? And he looks right in the camera and says, I invest in T-bills. And you know, the interviewer says, what do you mean T-bills? That's the most conservative investment on earth. He says, well, I have so much money. I don't need any risk. Why would I take it? And I think that's what planning also allows you to do is only take the risk that you need, no more, but no less as well. And that's brilliant, Ryan. It's absolutely brilliant because 90% of you are taking way more risk than necessary. You need to rebalance your portfolio. Let's face it, financial assets, there's so much information out there that's already priced in. Whatever you're thinking has already been priced in. The market's thinking about something else. It looks forward and it tends to revolve around fair value. This extraordinary volatility that people are afraid of comes out of nowhere, but it's an opportunity if you're based on planning and process driven in your strategy. It's kind of like you know when you put the GPS in on the maps in your phone and there's traffic along the way, right? It's like you have this one route, it's going great. And then all of a sudden the traffic hits and it reroutes you a different route. That's the same thing with good planning, right? It's like, you know, there is going to be traffic along the way. There is going to be volatility along the way. But when you already know where you're going, you can always reroute and make adjustments along the way. But if you have no idea where you're going, then you're just going to sit in traffic and you're going to sit there and wonder and you're never going to make any progress. And that's the whole idea. Once you know you have the end in mind, you can keep readjusting and making the proper adjustments to make sure that you're on the most effective path at all times. The other thing too is automating everything that you can in your portfolio. Like for example, you know, I find a lot of times when I first started working with people is that either one, they're not contributing to their 401k or two, they're not contributing enough. A 401k is a beautiful thing because it's kind of one of those things that you can set it up and it automatically not only saves money for you, but it also invests that money. Well, you know what I love, guys? I love meeting with all of our new clients because you ask them, well, how do you measure your portfolio performance? And they give you a number, a number they measure against some arbitrary index. But the fact of the matter is the number you need is the number net of inflation that will get you to your goals. 
right? So you need to know what return on investment are you shooting for? And once you know that, and you know that's the goal that you have to achieve, it becomes pretty simple on how to invest your money. That's exactly right. Because when you actually measure your performance, it should be based on what your goals are. Are you getting the right return so that you can be financially independent? It's not how well did I do this year versus the S&P 500, which drives me crazy. But more importantly is the return you're getting commensurate with what your goals actually are. It's a huge difference, but that's the difference between having a successful mindset and unsuccessful mindset when it comes to your investment strategy. And again, financial independence. What I always say, guys, it's not about making the most return. It's about making enough, enough for you and your family to achieve each and every one of those goals because last I checked, that's the only thing that matters. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything that we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $500,000 saved and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for a complimentary financial review. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click the link below. We'll put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, tax optimization, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right path to financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a complimentary financial review. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 45, Pain Points of Wealth. Thank you for helping us double our listenership over the last two months. If you like our content, love our content, don't be shy. Give us a review. Give us those five stars. Like our content. And if you're on YouTube right now, you can subscribe to the channel, click the like button, and click that notification bell so you can get all our fresh new content every single week. All right, gentlemen, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. So, Bob, stock funds globally have taken in $580 billion during the first half of 2021. If that pace continues, the industry could see inflows this year that would surpass the total from the prior 20 years combined. Wow. Well, you know, it's not surprising. We have the government literally printing trillions of dollars that they've given to companies, corporations, and individuals. And there's only one condition. You don't have to pay it back. So I am shocked that that money's finding its way into the stock market. I would have thought something different would have happened. There's rampant speculation out there, but this is a booming bull market, so don't fight it. Chris. A randomly selected stock in a randomly selected month is more likely to lose money than make money based on statistical evidence. In short, picking single stocks and holding a concentrated portfolio tends to be a losing strategy. Well, Ryan, that's why over the last 10 years, 85% of all large cap fund managers have underperformed their underlying index. And these are supposed to be the smart money, the pros on Wall Street. So I can't imagine that an individual investor would be all that successful trying to pick stocks if the fund managers can't even do it. All the odds and probabilities are against you, yet we love to pick individual stocks. Why not just own an index and win? Just saying. Bob, the JOLTS job survey indicates U.S. employers have 9.2 million unfilled job openings. It's the most ever in history. Right. It's amazing when you see how they're unfulfilled and you see how many people are actually leaving their job because perhaps they're able to get more income or get more pay by going somewhere else. It's a phenomenon that I think will last through the summer. But after that, I think this number will start to go down. I think it will. But I think what we're going to start to see is everyone comes off those benefits. 
is we get to a point where we don't have enough people to fill all the jobs. We'll see how it turns out, but I'm calling for a labor shortage by year end. You heard it here first. So Chris, stock trading has permanently shifted. This year, retail activity accounts for 24% of all equity volume, up from 15% in 2019. That's a lot of people speculating on the stock market. Well, you know what, Ryan? I think everybody discovered new hobbies during the pandemic. I discovered getting back in shape, and most of my friends and their kids discovered getting out on the internet and trading stocks. That can't be the reason why cryptocurrencies went through the roof during the pandemic. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's gambling. Nothing at all. It's pretty crazy out there. All right, gentlemen, another great show. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Ryan, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.